So I tell people they have two books probably within them. And if they hang around me long enough, they'll get them out. One of those books is your memoir or your quote unquote life story. And then the second book I tell people is the book that makes you an expert. Welcome to the My Future Business Show, where we get you in front of your best audience and keep you there. Not only are we interviewing the biggest names in business to help you become even more successful, we're inviting you to book your spot on the show to help you grow your business. So at the end of the call, make sure you fill in the interview application form at myfuturebusiness.com forward slash interviews. Hello and welcome back to the My Future Business Show. My name's Rick Nusky, I'm your host, and thank you so very much for joining us. And if this is your first time on the, call, uh, on the call, you're in for a treat. And for everybody else who has supported the show for any length of time, thank you so very much for that support. It's wonderful knowing it's making a difference for you. Now, speaking about making a difference on today's show, I'm with the wonderful Tanita Johnson. Welcome to the show, Tanita. Thank you so much for having me, Rick. It's a pleasure. Thank you again. Now, uh, just for context, Anita, we're going to be talking about how you're an entrepreneur, a speaker, and book strategist. And we're going to be talking about how to boost your brand through book, uh, books, in fact, and the process behind creating life-changing books. But uh, let's start at the start. Where are you calling in from today? I'm calling in from Detroit, Michigan, USA. Fantastic. Is that uh, a lifelong um, journey in, in Michigan? Is that where you've always lived? No, no. Born in Chicago, then migrated to Detroit when I was about 10. So We always talk a little bit about, uh, you know, growing up, you know, to give a bit of a background to the people who are on the show. I think it's pretty useful. I'm wondering if we can go back. Um, what was child life, uh, child life uh, growing up for you like? Wow. So um, I was the, I tell people I was the kid who was writing on the walls with crayons and pens. Um, <laughs> and, and, and I don't know that my grandmother and mother knew I'd be a writer, um, but that's what I am today. And so I got in a lot of trouble for writing on beds and writing on walls, writing everywhere, but on paper. Um, but born to a single mother, I've never met my dad. Um, so I write a lot about that. Um, and then we migrated to Detroit. So I've been in journalism since high school, love writing, love books. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, thank you very much. Now, I'd love to talk a little bit more about, I guess, your your upbringing a bit later on in the call. But I'm wondering, what do you do in your downtime? Do you have anything that you enjoy doing, like hobbies and things? Oh, Netflix. Netflix, <laughs> wonderful. There's plenty of time for that at the moment, I suspect. Yeah, yeah Netflix, Rick, or um, actually going out to the movies going out to going out to the movies i know a lot of people don't do that now um but yeah i prefer to go to the movie theater yeah you know what there's a, a, a dying um art form the drive-in theater do you enjoy yes drive-in theaters as well do they still have those there they still have the drive-in i don't like it as much no. i don't like sitting in the cold well it's cold in michigan so i don't like sitting in the cold car if I was in California, I probably would like to drive in. So, yeah. Now, as an author and uh, writer, I, I suspect uh, you have certain people that um, you follow and you read and you enjoy. I guess in your early mm -hmm. years, who did you really enjoy um, reading as you were growing up? Oh, wow, Rick. So the phenomenal Maya Angelou uh -huh. was my biggest protege. Um she was like the woman who I followed all of my life that was like, okay, if she can write, I can write. And I started, I actually started out writing poetry before books. So, yeah. So are you uh, all nonfiction or bit of fiction? Do you like writing both? So I'm predominantly nonfiction. I'm working on my first fiction piece right now and Very it's good. taking me a while. <laughs> so, 
Yeah, Rick. So I actually have 20 nonfiction projects. Oh, wow. That's a, I was going to say you were a prolific author. I've seen your, your library, your catalog, and it's very, very impressive. Now, uh, we you. talked about Netflix and going to the movies, and I always um, look for sources of inspiration for new ideas. Where do you get yours from? So, number one, Rick, I would say um, friends and family. I'm a big community advocate, so I'm always trying to go to dinner, always trying to have a gathering, always trying to get together with friends or family, have people over to the house. Um, the other is, of course, the word of God. I'm a big person of faith, big person of religion, um, and I just pull from my inner strength. And I kind of keep going on those days when it may not look so bright. Um, I keep vision boards in front of me as well. Uh, so I don't know if your listeners are familiar with vision boards, but I'm the type that I put a lot of different words and pictures on boards and I have them all around my office so that I can see them as I work and the words just pop off the board. So those type of things keep me going. Almost like a divine intervention, isn't it? You're an, you're an ordained mm -hmm. minister, aren't you? I will be. I actually start school next week, Rick. Oh, wow. That's very exciting. Yes. What, what is the process yes. behind that? Could, would you mind sharing? Yeah. So it's um, it's about two years of courses, and it's actually in person. And so it's at my ministry. Each course is about six weeks, and then we take like a two-week break, and then we start another course. So There's, one, there's obviously one favorite book of yours. I'm pretty sure and certain I know which one it is. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Now, Tanita, yes. I was wondering if we could um, talk a little bit about your daily routine because I know that there are lot, lots of startup entrepreneurs and those who have not really walked a path yet and they probably think, you know, let's burn the candle at both ends. Do you, do you recommend that? And what does your day look like by comparison? Absolutely not. So I think in my earlier years, Rick, I've had the company now for 13 years. Um, in the earlier years, I was trying to burn the midnight oil. Mm. Not now. Oh, I mean, yeah. I'm usually in the bed fairly early, probably about 8, 30, 9 o'clock, believe it or not. Yep. But on the flip side of that, I'm up at usually 5 or 6 a.m. So I like to get up early. I like to do my meditation, my devotion, read the word a bit, just kind of sit still, listen to worship music, or sometimes just sit in silence um, and do my prayer and meditation and then jump in the shower and start my day. Um, after I get the kids off, I'm usually trying to get dinner done early. Um, that's the benefit of being, yeah, that's the benefit of being an entrepreneur who's working from home so that I don't have to wait till 6 p.m. to start dinner. Um, so that when the kids come in from school, dinner is already ready. And then I usually start getting into my work about 10 a.m. and I work up until about 3 or 4. Sometimes it can go into the evening, but most evenings I shut it down usually by 8. Very so. nice. Yeah, that's a really nice balance. You know, the, you often hear about this myth about the work-life balance for entrepreneurs because they say, what, what's the saying? Uh, the good news is that you're the boss, but the bad news is that you're the boss. Right. <laughs> the good hey, when, and the bad. Yeah. So when you're working through your day, um, do you find um, listening to music um, sort of helps you be more productive? What do you do? Do you Definitely. listen to music? Definitely, Rick. So I usually have on some type of jazz or neo soul or I have on Christian inspiration or worship in the background. It's usually playing in my family room on the TV or I'll even pull up YouTube videos and just kind of have it on a loop um, for the longer YouTube videos that are like two or three hours. Um, sometimes I use the white noise, what the videos on YouTube call the white noise, yep. where it's like the ocean or the sea and mm -hmm. stuff like that. So, yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. It's it's funny. We only just recently found out there was free movies on YouTube. You don't think we were happy? Yes, <laughs> yes and whole movies. And they're quite good, aren't they? Yes, whole movies for free, yes. <laughs> so um, I know that uh, you've got a reasonable balance, but uh, you talked about getting the kids off earlier and stuff, and I'm wondering, do you find that it's important to have time away from business just to rest and recuperate, recharge, and spend time with loved ones? I do. So for us, that day is usually Friday night or a Sunday. So after service on Sunday, we leave church and then we're usually spending time together as a family. So, yeah. So tell me the, the first time that you ever uh, experienced entrepreneurialism. For me, I was um, washing people's cars and doing odd jobs. What was your, <laughs> what was yours about? God, so um, this was actually my first rodeo with entrepreneurship. Um, I was pushed out of corporate America. I was unemployed for maybe three years. Mm -hmm. uh, me and my husband had relocated to Texas and then relocated back to Michigan. And unfortunately, I had already quit my job in Michigan. So when I came back to Michigan, I didn't have a position. And I had to use what was in my hands, Rick. And I knew that that was editing, that was writing, that was proofreading. And so I was kind of forced to start an editorial and proofreading company where I was just editing manuscripts for other authors. I really didn't know what I was doing, didn't know how to charge. I started out charging like a dollar a page or $2 a page, mm -hmm. um, but it, it was just to get my foot in the door. And then I don't think I had agreements. I didn't have contracts. I didn't, I didn't have anything. <laughs> um, I, I don't even think I had PayPal. I don't even <laughs> think I could invoice people. So people were like giving me checks, but Literally, that was my first experience with it. I don't come from a family of entrepreneurs, so mm. it's kind of been like paving the way as I go. So it's a bit of a sink or swim situation, wasn't it? It is. It is. And some days I felt like I was going to sink. See, <laughs> the, see, the thing about this story is very unique because oftentimes there's opportunity to make some mistakes, whereas you were in that sink or swim moment. So you didn't really have the chance to avoid the exposure to risk and <laughs> failure. How did you manage right. that from your mindset perspective? Was it tough? So the mindset work is continual, Rick. I don't want to say that I've arrived. I think at every level that you get to, it requires a new mindset. Hmm. Um, so I just recently transitioned all of my services from a la carte services to three packages. So there's only three packages you can get if you work with my company. Mm -hmm. um, but that was new for me after for about 10 years doing everything a la carte. It was like McDonald's. You can have it your way if you want the combo or you just want the fries. Like <laughs> literally it was, everything was however the client wanted it. And so I had to set it up better to work for me. Um, and so transitioning to packages was new for me. And there's a level of fear that comes when you transition from $150 product to now a $3,000 product and selling that. So there's a level of confidence you have to adapt to as well. So do you ever take time out, uh, Tanita, just to pinch yourself and say, hey, look, you know, I'm doing all right. You know, you do you ever spend some time accepting that success is on your side? Yeah, I, actually, I, I do. I think a lot of times for me, um, I'm always trying to move to the next thing. 
So it's like I release a book and then I'm already promoting the next book that I haven't written yet. A lot of times I get my covers done before I even write the book just for inspiration. I have the cover done. And so I'm usually promoting the next book and I just released a book in January. And so I'm already promoting the book that I haven't written yet that will probably come out this summer. So it's it's hard to celebrate the wins um, when you have so much in you and so much that you want to get out, but we literally have to be intentional about taking that time to say, I'm just celebrating. If it's ice cream, if it's dinner, if yep. it's whatever it is to celebrate, just take an hour, take a couple of hours to celebrate that win. Given your expertise in helping others create uh, marvelous works and books for, for release and use in businesses and whatever other purposes, I bet you would have learned a lot about um, the construction of a book. And it's as, do you think it's going to help you uh, with your own authorship? Oh, yes, for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. Because I think a lot of people re- don't know the important, the importance of number one, hiring a professional editor, but also a professional cover designer. Mm. So I tell people those are two things that can kill your brand right away. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, yeah. your uh, primary business is called So It Is Written LLC. Where did that name come up from? Yes. So it's actually biblical. Um, of course. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Where the Bible says it is written, you know, man shall not live by bread alone. And we just added, um, so it is written. And so, um, again, the company started out as just editing and proofreading, and now it's morphed into a full fledged publishing company. So we offer publishing, ghostwriting, and book coaching. Excellent. Now, just for further context, I'm wondering if we can touch on, I guess, your um, educational background leading up to this point. Did you uh, have anything to share there? Oh, yeah, Rick. So I was in traditional journalism. I went to the journalism school at the University of Missouri at Columbia. Fantastic. Um, I thought, yeah, I thought I would be a news reporter at the news desk of a newspaper. (laughs) And you see where newspapers are right now. Oh, nowhere. Yeah. Yeah, they're almost obsolete. So um, I graduated from the journalism school in 2001. So, you know, over 20 years ago, we didn't have social media. We did, but it wasn't as hot as it is now. Um, So newspapers were still booming then. And then when I came out of newspaper, I thought, well, maybe I'll be in magazines. So I've edited and written for a few different magazines, Career Master Magazine, Hope for Women Magazine out of Indiana. Um, And then I had to make a decision to forsake all of those things and just focus on books. Yeah, just focus on books. Now, I I believe lifelong learning has its place. What about you? Do you you involve yourself around others who you learn from uh, as an ongoing thing? Oh, oh, absolutely, Rick. So you heard me say I'm getting ready to go to ministry school Mm -hmm. next week. So (laughs) (laughs) I, I... yeah, I, I had a dream about myself going back to elementary school last night, and I'm like, am I going that far back? <laughs> but um, but it's but but it is. There's always something new to learn. There's always another level. There's always somebody else who can teach you at a different level how to get to the level that they're on. So yeah, lifelong learning is very important. We touched on you know how newspapers are pretty much out of vogue and obsolete nowadays. Um, I suspect um, the world the world you live in in authorship and writing books and the likes is also changing because we're we're also seeing a massive uptick in audiobooks. Do you accommodate for that? I do. So ironically, you still have an audience that likes to hold the physical paperback book. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So even though there's an uptick in audiobooks, there are people who are downloading on Audible or they're yeah. listening in their car, there's an uptick in podcasts. Um, people are either reading the ebook on their phones or on their devices, which still is a form of publishing, um, or you still have people who want to hold the physical books. When I read more times than not, I'm holding a physical book in my hand. Now, when writers write, some write for different reasons, some write for therapeutic reasons. Do you find that it helps you heal if you're going through pain? And it does, does it help your clients, do you think, in that way? Absolutely, Rick. So a lot of my writing is centered around healing that I've been through, breakthrough that I've had in my life, um, things that I've overcome. I just caution people to write from a place of healing, not from a place of hurt, mm -hmm. um, because because otherwise, Rick, we get what we call bleeding on the pages where you're kind of just spewing out hate and anger and bitterness about what happened to you, but you're not really offering a solution for the readers. Um, so I tell people the book may be about you, but the book really needs to be about the reader. So yes, you may have a great story of what you've overcome, but what's really in it for the reader? So you, you talk about bleeding on the page, and I know that you have a, a personal journey with suicidal thoughts, depression, and low mm -hmm. self-esteem. And if you don't mind, are we able to talk about that? Because I know in today's, in today's um, society with the pandemic and many of us being locked down, there's a lot of struggle going on. And, and I'm wondering if we can talk through that. Yeah, Rick. So I'm a big advocate against, um, you know, depression, suicidal thoughts. The biggest thing is, and that particular book is called When the Smoke Clears. Um, and it was actually a stage production. So I was able to do it as a um, stage play downtown Detroit in 2017 and 2018. So it's an actual production as well. Um, but the biggest thing around it is like minding your mind. So minding what goes in, minding what comes out, minding what we're listening to, what we say, what we hear, mm -hmm. what we see. Yep. Um, so kind of like I mentioned earlier, those vision boards, I'm always looking at something positive at every angle in my office. There's something motivating me um, and whatever, whatever that is for you. So it'll be different for, uh, for different people. It may be pictures. It may be words. Um, for some people, it may be a picture of your family. For other people, it may just be a Bible verse or it may be flowers. Maybe you love roses. Maybe you love blue roses. So things like that that inspire you, I tell people to continually surround yourself with that to keep yourself above water. Yeah, thank you so very much for sharing. I'd love to talk about your catalog in a moment. But um, before we do, tell me where the term book bully came from and what's that about? <laughs> the book bully. <laughs> I <So>. love it. <laughs> Yeah, so the term book bully, Rick, came from social media, of course, um, because I tend to write these posts on social media and ask people, when is your book done? Or you don't have a husband because your book isn't done. Or you don't have hot water because your book isn't done. Or it's it's snowing outside, Rick, because your book isn't done. And it's meant to be, it's meant to be funny, but the people who really, really know that their book isn't done, they're like, okay, this is a constant reminder that my book really isn't done. So um, people always tell me if you hang around her long enough, she will bully you into writing a book. Even if you don't think you have a book to write, you will feel like you should be writing some type of book. Given that, you know, there's uh, life is ongoing and it's like perpetual motion as such, and you could write continuously about your life. How is it that you stop a book? How is it that you know that you're at the end of a book? Because I know that's quite difficult for some writers. 
Right. So I tell people, number one, you'll know um, because a lot of people write in memoir style. So if the book is about overcoming cancer, for example, it may start with the beginning of your diagnosis all the way to um, the day you found out that you were healed and you no longer have cancer. So that's one way where the story kind of naturally has taken its course. Um, the other way that you'll know is when you get to a place where you're no longer thinking about the book. So for me, I can be driving down the street and I'm like, oh my God, I really have to get this book done. And so when, when it's no longer coming up in my mind that I need to finish this book and I'm not, and I tell people, don't worry about page count, don't worry about word count, but you'll know when you know when you're no longer thinking about it, when, you, when you've when moved on in your mind to the next thing, it's probably time to put a bow on it. Yeah, thank you for sharing. I'm loving this conversation, Tanita. Thank you. Uh, I, yeah. I'd love to, even though it's nonfiction, how important is the ability to tell stories inside of books? Yeah, so I tell people, even though it's nonfiction, Rick, people love great stories. I mean, we just, we love great stories. So, Again, you have to infuse good storytelling, even if it's about leadership. You need to infuse a story about a leader in corporate America or a leader in ministry, what struggles they're going through, because people will remember how they felt about this particular character or they'll remember the story more than they will the concept. So you think about the concept of the three little pigs. We all know the story of the three little pigs. And we know the huff and puff and blow your house, house down. down. So, yeah, yeah. So we know the story, but the concept, the underlying concept for the three little pigs is you need to build on a firm foundation. But most people just know the story more than anything. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> now, um, you know, I think we, we all have a story to tell um, along the line. So why mm -hmm. should people be writing books? Right, Rick. So I tell people they have two books probably within them. And if they hang around me long enough, they'll get them out. <laughs> um, one of those books is your memoir or your quote unquote life story. Um, but something you've been through that you didn't think you would get through that you came through and you're on the other side of it. And now you can help others get through that same battle or challenge. And then the second book I tell people is the book that makes you an expert. So for you, Rick, if you're an expert on podcasting, you should have a book on podcasts and how to do stellar podcasts. Funny that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, if, if, if you're an expert on food, if you're a chef, you should have a book centered around your food. So I tell people, whatever you already do, package and leverage that expertise into a best-selling book. Now, just to expand on that conversation, how can you use the book once you've written it to expand your brand? Absolutely, Rick. So I tell people, you've got the paperback book, the ebook, and you've got the audio book. So that alone is three different streams of income. You're targeting probably three different types of audiences because the people who are listening to the audio books are not the people who are sitting down in their chair with coffee reading the paperback book. Mm -hmm. um, but you also can do webinars, seminars, um, summits. I know that the world is kind of shut down with COVID, but people are doing live events. They're having people wear masks, but some people are doing live events. So based on whatever your book is about, you then can create webinars, a series of webinars that may go for six to eight weeks, or you can do an in-person conference in a weekend. 
Um, for me, when the smoke clears, I did a stage play based on my book. Mm -hmm. I've seen people do movies and films even from their memoir. You know, a lot of the movies that we like and we see, they were once books. So, Yeah, that's great feedback. Thank you so much. Yeah. Now, for everybody who's on the call today, I just want to give you some context about the significance of the work that Tanita is doing. Um, so It Is Written won the Sunrise Pinnacle Award. Tell us about that. Yeah, so I am in the Rochester Regional Chamber of Commerce. Um, they have a Diversity Business of the Year Award. And so we were afforded that opportunity to get the award last year. Of course, we didn't have our banquet because of COVID. Everything was virtual. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, we did. We did. Congratulations. That's wonderful. Now, I can see a book behind you. I know it's a pretty important one, your 2021 anthology called Hush, Breaking the Cycle of Silence Around Sexual Abuse. Please tell us about that. Yes. So, Rick, this one is near and dear to my heart. Um, of course, as you can imagine, it's part of my personal testimony. Mm -hmm. um, molested at probably seven or eight and then molested again by the age of 14, um, both by men and women. And so it was important to me, Rick, to get a compilation of short stories from both men and women. I've been fortunate that there are men who have opened up and shared their story in these books as well, not just mm -hmm. women, um, because the assumption is that it's only happening to women and it's not. And so even though men are more silent about it, there were three men who were brave enough to speak out. So again, these are short stories of people who have overcome sexual abuse, whether it's molestation or rape, and how they got through the process because everybody's process looks different yeah thank you you know you seem to me to be someone who was surrounded by love and light and i bet you there would be a lot of relationships that have um, been forged as a result of the work that you've done with people do you find that that's the case it is and i love it i mean i'm a community person so i'm out and about and i'm networking <laughs> and i'm at events i'm you know when we can't do live events i'm almost crying because i'm like i gotta get from in front of zoom i need to get into a room but yeah no i i love networking with people whether virtually or in person yeah very powerful this just like this call very powerful now if we could i'd like to shift our focus onto your website um what can people find on your website um, and if you could share that that would be great absolutely rick so they will find um, a snapshot of our services for so it is written um, they will find some testimonials from previous clients which i think is very important because mm -hmm. i can tell you i'm great um, but the clients <laughs> speak for us so we don't we don't have to tell you we're great yeah um, and then and then you'll find an online store which has my library of the 20 plus books that I published um, my personal projects, not my client's project, but my personal projects. So, yeah, yeah, fantastic. Now, um, you surely you're writing something at the moment. Is there something under wraps that you're currently working on? No. So, Rick, the no. one I'm working on now is called Pulling Back the Covers. Um, and it's actually a it's a Christian nonfiction book, but it's specifically for women who are battling with addiction to pornography and how it can affect our families, our marriages, and things like that. Fantastic. Thank you very much for sharing that. Now, um, again, just for, uh, for the listeners' um, understanding, could you tell us about the individual packages and what they will get inside of those packages should they choose to work with you? Absolutely, Rick. So our done-for-you publishing services mean the person has already written the book. It's in Microsoft Word. They're just like, I don't know what to do next. So we take the next. 
and we start the editing process. We do the cover design, get the ISBN, we upload the ebook to Amazon, we get them print copies in hand, all of that. We do all the work for you. So that's our publishing packages. We have a um, publishing package and then a publishing plus package, mm -hmm. which includes more marketing materials. So your press release, your speaker one sheet, if you want to get out there and speak more about your book. Yep. Um, and then a done for you website. A lot of people who come to me and they write the book, they don't have a website. So they're sending people to Amazon, which is almost like sending somebody to somebody else's house to buy your yeah, book yeah um you know but they come to me and they don't have a website so it's in my premium publishing package that they get a website as well that's fantastic um, yeah brand book bestseller is our quarterly book coaching program where we take no more than seven people and we help them write their expert book in 60 days or less so we're literally writing over the course of those 60 days. They're submitting chapters to me and the team to review for approval and feedback and all of those things. So what is the website that they need to the go website is so it, The website is soitiswritten.net. Mm -hmm. There you go. It's no surprises yeah. that is so, so it is written.net. Everybody's on the, the show today. If you're sitting on the fence, you're wondering whether or not you should be writing a book. Well, I think you've uh, had that question answered and make sure <laughs> you reach out to uh, Tanita at uh, so it is written.net. I'll be making sure that the links are available below this post, no matter where you see it, you'll be able to get back to Tanita and all of her wonderful services. And with that um, said, Tanita, thank you so very much for joining me on the show today. I've had such a wonderful time talking with you. Thank you so much, Rick. Have a great evening. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the call, then make sure to subscribe, leave a comment, share us with your friends, and book your spot on the show at myfuturebusiness.com forward slash interviews. And if you're looking for solutions that will help grow your business, then visit myfuturebusiness.com forward slash shop.